It is always a joy to be here. It's a joy to be with Bishop Benjamin Laye and his lovely family. It's easy for me to remember Mama Joyce's name because my wife's name is Joyce. And you know what Joyce means? Joy. You know, and it's great to be able to have joy. And, and Mama Joyce has given us all joy Amen. this week. She has treated us very good. You know, the Bible says if a man finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Amen? I don't know about you. I don't think I'd want to live alone. And uh, I, I like having companionship. Do you enjoy companionship? Amen. It's important. So we just uh, give thanks to, matter of fact, let's give a big hand for Benjamin. They're back there working in Joyce and Judith today. This praise team has done an awesome job. They have not entertained us, but they have brought us into the throne room of God. Uh, Apostle Bright, and I want to give special thanks to Apostle Hennessy and his family for this beautiful church that uh, they would open the doors. And how many got to come last night to the, uh, to the outdoor service over here? Any, anybody get to come to that? Very, it was very good. Awesome. People got saved. People got delivered. People got set free. Ain't it great? That's what God's all about. He is our deliverer. If we can get people set free. I like to do something, and I want you to help me. I do this at home all the time. I'm a person that really believes in decorations and proclamations. You know what I'm saying? To decree a thing. The Bible says you shall decree a thing, and it shall, what? Come to pass. So I want, you can stay seated, but I, I just want you to decree this with me. I want you to say, I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. I am the lender and not the borrower. I am a city set on a hill. I cannot be hid. I'm a candle on a candlestick. When I show up, darkness flees. You got to do it this way. You ready? Say, when I show up, darkness flees. I'm anointed to lay hands on the sick. And I expect them to recover. I'm anointed to raise the dead. I'm anointed to heal the brokenhearted. And to set captive spirits free. I'm anointed on my job. I'm anointed in my wallet. I'm anointed in my checking account. And I'm anointed in my savings. I am blessed coming in. And I'm blessed going out. When the enemy comes against me, he will flee seven ways. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Amen. Give yourself a big hand now. 
I know we are getting ready to ordain and license some men and women here in just a few moments. And that's the important thing. That is the feast that our pastor was talking about. Because that affirmation, that validation, and that accountability. I've been in ministry for a long, long time. I'm 70 years old. Matter of fact, most of the people at my church, you call me Papa, most of the church people at my church call me Pappy. That's just what my grandkids call me, so they pick it up, Pappy. And I, have, I am not offended by that at all because I feel like a Pappy. I don't mind being a Pappy. Pappy loves kids. These little boys and girls. Last year when I preached for Brother Bright, I got one of the little girls and she just, oh, she just let me ooh and ah, ah over her. Beautiful. Let me kiss her cheeks. I do that with the kids at our house, in, in our home. I, I love kids. I love uh, my grandkids. I thank God for my grandkids. I got one granddaughter that's getting ready to be a nurse. She's in school now to be a nurse. I got two grandsons that are getting ready to go into the Marine Corps. They're military men. They love God, though. They're going in with a purpose. So I've got grandkids. I've got one grandkid that loves football. Now, I'm not talking about soccer. I'm talking about lap them, slap them, and cap them. Hit them hard. And he's already been three times to Alabama football camp. And Coach Saban's got his eye on him. He loves football. Listen, God loves people in all areas of life. God calls people to all areas of life. If we, if we don't understand that as ministers of the gospel then, and release people to, to operate in their gifting in the marketplace, we'll always stay poor. How are you going to get paid? How many people want to be paid more than what you're paid now? Right? I mean, anybody here right now rich beyond measure? Anybody? I'm not talking about in Christ. Well, the kingdom, and as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we need to release people to the marketplace for, for, to not only help us. The Bible said, Paul made it very clear, said if we preach the word and minister in word, we have the right to a honorarium or a salary do you want a salary yeah you have a right to that the Bible said matter of fact it's very clear that if they live by the temple they should be fed by the temple there's nothing wrong with that now there are those that have robbed God's people well how do you rob God's people let me ask you a question how many cars can you drive or how many mules can you ride? Or how many bicycles can you ride? See, you can, you can only do so much. It ain't about making you wealthy. It's about God giving you the resources you need to build his kingdom where you're at. He wants to expand us so that we can have the opportunity to give. And if we as leaders don't know how to give, then we can never raise up people who know how to give. So we have to release people 
to get into their field. If they're doctors, nurses, military policemen, I was overjoyed. Is the policeman from, from the, the pastor from Ceylon, is he here today? He's not. Man, that thrilled me. I love police. I pray for police departments every day, not only in our city, but around the world. That's part of my prayer. God bless every police officer. I thank God for policemen. I know there's some bad ones, but there's some bad doctors. But how many of you still like doctors? There's some bad preachers, but how many of you still love preachers? See, you can't group them all into one thing. I love military people. I'm a, our church is filled with military people. I love military people. They understand two things. They know how to obey an order, and they know how to give an order. Cousin of mine started preaching. He got out of the Marine Corps, and he started preaching. He actually pastoring a church in Idaho, Texas, or Idaho, the state of Idaho. And he called me one day and said, I'm leaving. His name is Randy. I said, Randy, where are you going? He said, I'm going back in the military. He said, I said to him, why are you going back in the military? He said, because these church members don't know how to do anything I say. How many of you feel like that? You give an order to somebody and they go. Now in Texas, we got a phrase and it's called this. They're looking like a calf. Cow looking at a new gate, wondering where that gate came from. <laughs> you want me to do that? But you know what? I found in my life of 50 years of preaching the gospel, if I'm willing to serve, people will be willing to serve. If I lead them in serving, then they will serve. See, it's, it's one thing for us to tell people you ought to pray. How many people believe in prayer this morning? Everybody should believe in prayer. I love what Brother Ben said the other day, that once a month they meet and they have two hours of prayer. That's good. But that prayer should be something we do every day. There should be no excuse for us not to pray. Bible said that man ought to pray everywhere, always doing what? Lifting up holy hands. What, why are we lifting up holy hands? We're lifting up hands to surrender. In our prayer, I surrender. We used to sing an old hymn. I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. You know what God is after today in his body is for his body to simply surrender. I know everybody knows this verse of scripture. Second Chronicles 7, 14. If my people who are called by my name, not the world, if my people. And God has a people in every country on the globe, on the earth. If my people, and so many people don't believe that, they're, they're cursing nations. But if my people, every, every nation's got a people, people of God there. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, who should turn? His people. 
God's not looking for the world to turn to heal our land. He's just looking for his people to turn so he can heal our land. If my people, called by my name, will seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, repent, I will hear from heaven. You know, the beautiful story about that is that took place in the tabernacle. That's when Solomon had built the temple. And Solomon has said to God in chapter 13 of 2nd, and you don't have to turn there, you can write it down, you probably know it, you study it. And said, if in this place, everybody say in this place. Now you've got to help me here, man, I want you to do something else. I want you to say, in this place. Huh. And we'll get to that in just a second. If in this place, if we mess up, if we repent, will you hear us? And you know what the Lord responded? Now remember, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It's hidden. The New Testament is the Old Testament totally revealed. In the Old Testament, we have what we call typology. Everybody understand typology? Those are types and shadows of Christ. So when we read the Old Testament, instead of looking for all the rules and regulations that are there, we need to be looking for the prophetic utterance that's coming out of the Old Testament to show us the evidence that Jesus Christ is real and the New Testament lives today. So the wise man is saying, when we come to this place, everybody say, when we come to this place, if we repent, will you hear us? And God said, if you go back, if you're not where you ought to be, if you will humble yourself, call on my name, seek my face, look for me. Matter of fact, Jesus gives us a little evidence. He said, if you knock, what's going to happen? If you look, if you seek, you'll find. See, he's not hard to find. He's not playing hiding-go-seek with us. He's standing right out in the open. Man, and we're going one way and we're heading right past him. He goes, whoa, I'm here. And we because our eyes are on something other than God. So when we understand then what Solomon is saying here and what God, Father, Yahweh, is saying back to him, I will hear you, I will heal your land. How many of you need this land healed? We're made of dirt. When we die, what, goes, what happens to this body? It goes back to dirt. So when our spirit man gets saved, then the battle begins between the spirit man and the mind for the body. Man is made up of three parts, right? Body, soul, spirit. Our spirit, when we give our heart to God, it becomes alive. That's the part of us that lives forever. I will never die. I will spend eternity either with God or in hell. I will never die. That's a reality. Never forget it. Then I have a body that I have to contend with. Someone was talking about it yesterday when he said, Paul said, I fight 
and not as one that beats the air to bring this body. My spirit's already under subjection. But my body ain't. I have to fight this body every day. And where does the struggle come in? In our soulless realm, where our brain is housed, and in the soul, that's our intellect, our will, and our emotion. Our intellect is our ability to gather information. Let me ask you a question today. What kind of information are you gathering? What are you allowing to enter your soulless realm? Are you spending time with God or in His Word and in His presence? See, the beautiful thing about prayer, prayer is being in the presence of God. Prayer is the Word of God. Sometimes we like to divide where I read and I pray. No, when you read, you're praying. Reading is praying. Where you're in the Word of God, you're in the presence of God. Why? Because His Word. What is His Word? From Genesis to Revelation that we have today is Jesus Christ. So when we spend time with him, then we get our intellect is gathering information that we need so we can control our body. Now I would love to tell you I have absolute 100% control of my body. That's what I would like to tell you. Anybody have 100% control of your body? See, I still have some things I struggle with. I like to eat one bite too much. Anybody here likes to eat one bite too much? Huh? Food's good, isn't it? We all, matter of fact, you do whatever you can do to get another bite of food. Water, that's nice, isn't it? We like clothes. Thank God we got clothes. We would look, I ain't even going to say what we would look like without clothes. But thank God for that. So, but we still, we have this old brain that we're contending with. How many fight battles with your brain? With your soulless realm? With your eyes? With your ears? Huh? See, so we're all still struggling. That's why Paul, you think, I believe Paul was a great man of God. Possibly one of the greatest of all the apostles that ever lived past Jesus Christ. Paul was possibly because he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He was a great man of God. But he, if he said, I have to fight daily this body and crucify it every day, and I have to beat myself black and blue to keep me on the right track, I don't think anybody else has made it yet. Well, how do we do that? How do we bring ourselves under control? It's real easy. Can I tell you how easy it is? Are you ready? I'm going to give you a deep, deep, deep word of wisdom. Are you ready? Pray. That's it. Somebody says, you pray a lot. That makes you spiritual. No, I pray a lot because I need to pray a lot. Man, I got a lot of stuff. I don't know about you. 50 years of living, I got a lot of stuff. In my head. Do you know medical science proven that you don't see anything or hear anything that doesn't retain itself in your brain? 
I can be preaching, Randy, and get a picture of something that took place 18 years ago or 40 years ago or 50 years ago that, that I've been saved and delivered from while I'm preaching. Well, where did that picture come from? I already had it in my brain. And the devil just exposed it. So we have to constantly then feed ourselves on the Word of God. Now listen to what the Bible says. And I'm not going to preach very long today because we got, I'm excited for you. Thank you. Let me say, first of all, thank you for being here. Every one of you, God bless you. Those who have come from Sierra Leone and from Nigeria and those that are from here, thank you. Can I say thank you for being part of River's Edge Global International Outreach? Thank you. Those who will be renewing your license today and those of you that will be getting your license or exhorters for the first time today or our ordination, thank you. We don't take that lightly. You're in our prayers daily. We really don't. And if you want to understand how we got River's Edge, my wife and I was praying. God, what do we name the church and what do we name the fellowship? And God began to lay up on my heart Psalms chapter 1 and Jeremiah chapter 17. And in Psalms 1 and 1 said, Blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sat in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. And in his word will he meditate day and night. And he shall be. Take that index finger and point it at somebody and say, I'm talking about you now. And he shall be like a tree. In one translation literally says, planted by the river's edge. And he shall bring forth his fruit in his season. And his leaf will not weather. And whatever... Help me again, take that index finger pointed at somebody and say, I mean, whatever you do, we, you will prosper. I believe that. Then in Jeremiah 17, he said, Blessed is the man who puts his trust in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the river's edge. And he will bring forth his fruit in his season. Wow. As a matter of fact, it adds a little more here. It said he will bring fruit, bring forth fruit year round. And even, oh, I like what Jeremiah says here. If you put your trust in God, even in the midst of the drought, when everything is drying up and everybody else is going under, you're going to bear fruit. But your trust can't be in a name. Your trust can't be in a fellowship. Your trust can't be in a denomination. Your trust has to be in Almighty God. I've told my people that we pastor. I tell my wife. I do not expect them. I, I don't work for them. I work for God by serving them. And I don't expect them. I don't get mad at them. When they don't meet my need. See, if I expect you to meet my need, I get offended at you if you don't meet my need. See, but my need 
is met in the Lord. Man, I've seen God come down in miraculous ways. Why? Because I work for God. If I can impart something to you men and women today, you work for God. It's God. It's not your church's responsibility to take care. Now, God uses your church. But even when your church don't come through and do what they say they ought to do, or you feel like they need to do, God got a little widow lady over here that knows exactly how to feed you. She's got a little meal and a little oil ready to make you a cake in your weakest hour. And at this level, you ought to know what I'm talking about. Becoming a house of prayer. Alan, I want to take 15 minutes so you make sure in 15 minutes you get my attention. Becoming, everybody say becoming, a house of prayer. Remember we talked about this flesh. We talked about in this temple. What temple? This temple. I thank God for buildings all around the world that represents God. But it ain't about this building. It ain't about these four walls. Not about this pulpit, this stage. It's about this house. See, if we understand what God is saying to us, in Matthew 21, 13, and Jesus said to them, it is written in Scripture. And I'll show you. In the, uh, he pulled from the Old Testament. I'll exegesis it for you. My house. Everybody say, my house. What house is he talking about? Come on, right here. My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den or a den of thieves. What house is becoming a den of thieves? This house. See, people get so religious that they think we can do something to this house to make it to, to become a den of thieves. This house can't be anything. It's just martyr. It's this house that he's talking about. Now go with me to John 2, 19 and 21. And Jesus said unto them, Destroy this temple. What temple was he talking about? His body. Who did the Pharisees think he was talking about? This temple. Just like people today. Man, I, there are so many people into temple worship and not worshiping from the temple. Can I say that one more time? Because I want you to get it. Too many people are into temple worship and not worshiping from the temple. Jesus said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews replied. They couldn't comprehend that. Who do you think you are? It took us 46 years to build this temple, and you'll raise it up in three days. But he was speaking of the temple, which was his body. See, if we can get this, this if, we get, if we get this, we will understand the importance and the essence of prayer. Because if we don't even have to be here to pray. Man, I pray, I have prayed all over the world. Alan, my dear friend, comes to my house four or five times a year. We work together. He's apostle, Alan. We don't go around calling each other Apostle Allen and Apostle Mitchell. We know who each other are. We bark. 
How do you know a dog's a dog? It barks. How do you know a cat's a cat? Yeah, meow. Duck does, you know a duck's a duck? Why? Quack. So if you're an apostle, you're going to apostle. Now, I, let me just throw in, let me chase this little rabbit for about 30 seconds. The mark of a true apostle. How many believe? No condemnation. I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm really trying to get to, to help you here. How many of you feel like that you are beginning to operate in the office of an apostle? Come on, be honest. Raise your hand. Don't be bashful. That's important. Now, let me give you the number one sign of an apostle. Are you ready? If you don't write anything else down, write this down. The number one sign of an apostle is patience. Pastor Ben calls me Papa. My brother from Nigeria called me Papa. Several other people, Brother Bright calls me Papa. I got a whole church that calls me Pappy. You know what I understand? They understand something that through 70 years of living, I've learned a little patience. See, daddies, mamas, are patient with their children. They will love them until they get it. There's so much I'd like to preach about. <laughs> but I got to stay on track here. Corinthians 6, 19 through 20. Do you not know? Now help me out this morning. Take that index finger. Come on, take it. Let me see it. That's the index finger. Point it at somebody and say, do you know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Who is within you? Boy, that's powerful, isn't it? Your body. This old earthen vessel. This vessel of clay. The Holy Spirit. Wow. He lives in us. And what's always been amazing to me i couldn't understand this when i was a boy and i heard my grandpa preach about this and my daddy preach about this and and now i'm preaching about it and, and i have to tell you i still don't understand it how can the holy spirit live in me and live in you 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 and you and you and you and you and you and people all around the world and those same people that he lives in can't love each other that's all I'm going to say about that. Whom you have received as a gift from God. Remember Jesus said to his disciple, it is important for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But I will send another. And he the spirit of truth. He, everybody say he. he. The spirit of truth spirit will abide with you forever. Generation to generation to generation. My, my grandpa was a old bootlegger. Now I don't know if that interprets, so I explain to you what it is. In the 20s in America, it was illegal to make and to sell booze or whiskey 
My grandpa made illegal whiskey and they called them bootleggers. And he went to an old Brush Harbor meeting, an old out in East Texas, and it was Brush Harbor because they just took a bunch of brushes and made a little roof to keep the sun off of their head. And it was a holy roller church. It was a church that believed in the Holy Ghost. And he made, made a remark to some of his friends after they delivered their moonshine, their whiskey. He said, let's go down and make fun of the holy rollers. He said, then they are fun to watch. Something happened when he was setting out on the old Model T Ford uh, making fun of the holy rollers. Uh, the Holy Ghost reached out there and got a hold on him. Saved him, filled him. He began to preach all across Texas, West Texas, South Texas. There are people today, fourth and fifth generations that are still serving God because that old man got touched by the Holy Ghost and began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when you get the Holy Ghost in you, prayer ain't going to be hard. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost whom you have received as a gift from God and you are not your own property? Now help me here. Take that index finger, point it at yourself, and say, I'm not my own. Just want to make sure you know that. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. That's called redemption. There's three Greek words in redemption. One's garonzo, exogaronzo, and lutro. Garonzo means I was a slave in the slave market. Wow. Somebody said, well, I've never been a slave. Paul said, or Jesus said, whoever you yield yourself servants to obey, that's whose slave you are. Who are you obeying? That's your master. Then Exegoronzo, see, he not only found me in the slave market, what he did then, he ex, that word ex means out, he took me out of the slave market. Isn't it wonderful he don't leave me there? I'm in the world. Come on, say it real loud. Oh, I'm in it. But I don't belong here. This world's not my home. I'm just like Father Abraham. I'm looking for a city whose maker and builder is God who has a foundation that is four square. Trying to slow down a little bit. I get excited. Five minutes, okay. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So, everybody say so. Then honor and glorify God with your body. Wow. Not just your spirit. Hello. Glorify God with your body. Paul puts it this, this way in Romans 12:1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your as a which is your. 
thank you. That's the right word, worship. Not just your reasonable service, but in the Greek, that word service means worship. Oh, present your bodies to worship God. That's what these folks were up here doing a while ago when they were shaking their handkerchiefs and marching around. See, I, have a, I do not have any rhythm. <laughs> Lauren said, come on, dance with me. I can't dance. Now, I'm good at the Texas two-step because it doesn't take any rhythm to dance that dance. But see, we got to use our bodies to magnify God. But the only way we're going to do that is allow the Holy Spirit that bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, according to Romans 8. Now, all of a sudden, I'm taking charge of my mind and I'm saying hallelujah when my mind says you don't want to say hallelujah. I'm getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning when my mind tells my body, lay there. You deserve it. I found out a long time ago, I, the only thing that I deserve is hell. But I got salvation. So in my body, my mind does my body just lay there. I say, body, you're going to obey God. You're going to get up now. See why? You're bringing your body under subjection. When you don't feel like preaching. How many, of you, how many of you have ever preached when you didn't feel like preaching? Why? Because that's your responsibility. And you know what's amazing? The times that we usually don't feel like preaching is the time we give our best sermon. You know why? We just get us out of the way. See, our biggest problems is ourselves. Even as apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, we get so hung up on ourselves. Sometimes we think we're the, the whole bag of chips. No condemnation. Come on, say revelation. So when I say no condemnation, you're going to say, so don't feel condemned over that. Just receive it as truth. I, I am only, we've talked about it all week long, I am only a part I'm not the whole puzzle. I'm a piece. I said to our team this morning, sitting over in Pastor Hennessy's office, I said, how many of you thought five years ago you would be in Ghana preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? How many of you think you will be somewhere five years from now, you may be in another country, another continent, and you'll look and say, I remember that little preacher from Alabama saying that, well, I would never even guess that I would be here. You may be in a village somewhere, a small village or a big village or a city or a town or a state or a nation, and all of a sudden you begin to realize, hey, I've been sent here by Almighty God because I made this house a house of prayer. And that's important. Isaiah, I told you I'd give you the old, Texas, the old text for this. Isaiah 56 and 7. All these... I will bring to my holy mountain. Now, what is God's holy mountain? Everybody say his kingdom. Now, it's Jerusalem. Jerusalem represents his kingdom. The kingdom represents his church, his ecclesia, the called out ones. Do you know because you're part of that ecclesia, 
you have the right to establish policies where you live? If the laws don't meet the laws of God, what do you do? You begin to decree and declare what God said. You have the right to decree and declare. We've been doing that in Montgomery now for 13 years, and now we're going to the courthouse or to the state capitol where the, the representatives and council members, con the congressmen and senators state, statewide meet. We're going to one of their meeting rooms praying in the Holy Ghost. Because we began, to, we began to decree and declare it 13 years ago. See, now, listen to what the Lord said. All these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Whose house are you? Everybody say his house. What does he want you to do? And when you pray, what's going to happen? You're going to be joyful. Oh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I'm not on the back row, I'm, but I'm pretty close. Hello? But you can do as Brother Randy did. You can sing with your understanding, or you can say, You can sing in your spirit. That's up to you. Yeah. Holy Ghost ain't going to come and knock you down upside the head, pick you up and bounce you off the wall for you to pray in tongues. It's a matter of the heart, the spirit. It's not a matter of the brain. It bypasses. People don't talk in tongues with their brain. You try to talk in tongues with your brain, and it's going to be baby talk. But if you just bypass your brain, because you are the house of the living God, and let the Holy Spirit that lives in you just begin to just submit your tongue and begin to speak by faith. Bring them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifice will be accepted on my altar. And my house will be called a house of prayer for all people. Do you understand that? If you get anything out of this conference, if anything means anything to you, walk out of here and say, I don't know how long I've been praying before. I know I'm going to increase my time with God. I'm very private about my time. I like my corporate time of prayer, and that's another time, another place. But man, I like me time with God. Me and God. Old songwriter says, me and Jesus got a good thing going. I like to spend time with him. I like to get his word down inside of me. Man, I, I like to quote it back to myself. See, that's part of what prayer is. You're not only now hearing God, and, and God speaking to your heart. But now you begin to talk back to God. God said, command me. Ooh. Can you imagine Father God said to you, command you me. Oh, my little boys was growing up. One of the greatest treasures, one of the greatest moments of my life is when I heard them repeat what I said particularly if what I said was good I'd always say John I love you and he would go daddy I love you 
Boy, that just made me feel so good. He said, Daddy, I heard you say at church today while you were preaching that Jesus loves me. Does he really love me? See, I got to lead both of my sons to the Lord. They both are in ministry. Both of them are not perfect, except to me and my wife. What are you saying? I'm saying when you get in prayer, you got to get God's word in you because you can begin to say, God, Father, you said in your word, you gave me the keys to the kingdom. You said in your word, whatever I bind would be bound. Whatever I loose would be loose. You've given me that authority, so I just want you to know in the name of my elder brother, Jesus Christ, assure I'm a sheer, I'm declaring I have those keys right now. Woo! That's birth out of prayer. Man, then you'll find when you begin to spend quality time in prayer, you find you begin to heal, live a life of prayer. It's in closing, and I've got another hour and a half to go, but I, just in closing, I won't do it because this is your special day. But listen to me. This is very important that you get this. When you begin to go to the event of prayer, that's why it's important when, when Bishop says we're going to have a prayer meeting for all of our pastors in this area, you need to be here. That's an event. Be here. Because the event is going to give you a lifestyle. See, Sunday morning is an event. If you have church through the week, that's an event. Nothing's wrong with the event because the event is going to feed you. So now what you've been getting at the event is going to become a lifestyle. If I'm feasting, I'm going to take that feast that I got and I'm going to share it with everybody I come in contact with. Oh, I don't have to wait till Sunday morning to get them saved. We don't have to have a crusade. Thank God we did to get people saved. But now you'll leave here. You'll teach your people to leave here. Everywhere you go, just find somebody who can want to talk about Jesus. I'm sitting down at a restaurant, my wife and I, getting ready to eat. Jimmy Nicks in Montgomery, Alabama. Our waitress come to the table crying, tears running down her eyes. She said, you're Dr. Mitchell, aren't you? I said, yes. I watch you on TV. said, I'm hurting. I need saved. Can you help me? I said, oh, that's why I'm here. I thought I went there to eat, but no, God had another reason for me to be there. We lead her to the Lord, pray for her, and watch. She said, can I go get cleaned up? Can you come back and wait? I said, sure, go ahead. And another waitress came over. Listen, they begin to track you down, people who need to know Jesus. I can give you testimony after testimony. Filling up one night on a cold, snowy, windy, rainy night in North Alabama. Stopped to fill up with gas. And another man standing there getting gas. <laughs> said, what are you doing out on this cold night? I said, I've been to church. He said, are you a preacher? I said, yes, I am. And he began to cry. He said, can you help me get saved? Before God, that's his word, not my word. Can you help me get saved? I said, that's why I stopped here. See, it, the, it's got to get past the event. The event just mobilizes you. The event gives you information. 
the event fills your heart. So all of a sudden you go out and you may find somebody on the street, you may find somebody on the corner. And let me tell you something. Hear me. Every, every leader, hear what I'm going to say to you. If you don't lead souls to God, don't expect your people to lead souls to God. Because you have to be the leader. You have to be at the forefront. Most people don't know how to lead people to Christ. You know why? Because most preachers don't know how to lead people to Christ. They think it's hard. It ain't hard. Just show up. Talk about Jesus. That's what prayer, see prayer, prayer put it in you. I walk, I walk all through our neighborhood. Alan's walked with me before. Man, we go for miles. And you know what I'm praying? God, everybody I come in contact with today. I mean everybody. Every, every person my shadow falls on, they're going to feel the presence of God. Oh God, I just want to be able to open the door and talk to them. And you'll be, be surprised how many open doors. I've got open doors to talk to people of all different faiths and religions. Uh, Mormons, M- M- Muslims, uh, Seventh-day Adventists, oh, all kinds of people, even Christians. Because, see, but you're, you're preparing the way before you go out in the way. Listen, Jesus, the Bible tells us a great time, read it in the New Testament, a great time before the sun come up. What did he do? You know what Jesus did? Before the sun ever rose, he went and spent time with the Father. He knew he had a busy day that day. He was going to walk on the Damascus Road. He knew somewhere along the way he was going to come past blind Bartimaeus. He knew he he was going to run into some lepers, men that had leprosy. Oh, one day he was praying extra hard. He said, oh yeah, I see that man they're going to call Legion. I got his number today, Father. Huh? Why? Because he'd been spending time with the Father. So when the occasion arose, he knew how to handle the occasion. See, getting the certificate. Get ready, Brother Ben. I guess I give it to you. Get ready. Give me five more minutes. So you come on up. Getting the certificate don't mean nothing. You can put it on your wall, put it in a pretty frame. I mean, I got all kinds of pretty frames. I, I got to be who, 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 got to be put in the records of America's who's who's one year. Woo! Nobody knows that. And you know what else? Nobody cares. <laughs> I got ordinations on my wall. I got letters of recommendations on my law, wall. I got letters of excellency on my wall. I got a marriage certificate on the wall. You know, that marriage certificate, you know who it means something to? Me and my wife. So just having the certificate don't mean anything. But can I tell you, if you're really serious and you get that certificate, what it's going to mean to you every time you look at it, I made a commitment. I made a commitment to pray. I made a commitment to serve God. I made a commitment to die if need be for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And oh, by the way, 
Every three and a half minutes in, a, in the global sphere we live in, somebody is dying for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not be dying here. We may not be dying in America. But there are people that are giving their heads right now while we've been here worshiping for Jesus. That certificate to say, I'm accountable. And I have some validation because some other men saw something in me. They saw Jesus in me. That's all that means. Jesus is in me. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. They validated that they see Jesus in me. I see Jesus in you, sir. I do. I feel like you're my family. I feel like I go to anybody's house this year. I go pull off my shoes, put my feet on your chair or your ottoman, whatever you call it, and I'll sit down and eat your beans and rice with you. As long as you got some bread, because I like bread. I feel that comfortable already. Why? Because we're family. Different part of the country, but we're family. Wow. We have, matter of fact, we have at our house, we just bought a bigger house because, we bought a bigger house because we always have what, Alan? We have people come stay with us all the time. We are Mitchell's bread and breakfast. Bishop, you already got a standing invitation. Come stay as long as you want to. Private bedroom, private bath. Wow. Why? We're family. Lauren, we got a room in our house called the Haiti room. Got her pictures there. She comes in, that's her room. She's got a private bath. My wife, one of her major gifts is entertaining. She'll feed you. And feed, she'll feed you till your belly pops. And then say, eat some more. She, she, she's, not, she's not big on speaking, but she's big on cooking. She's a, let me tell you, Joyce is a, is a, Mary, is a Martha. I mean, she's going to work. She'll work. She'd rather work. She'd rather feed you, bring food to you. She, she, she's a good pastor because she likes to go to the hospital. See, I'm not a good pastor. I go to the hospital. I look at people and say, what's wrong with you? I'm sick. Okay, come on. In the name of Jesus, rise up. Come on, now, let's go now. Get out of here. <laughs> My wife will come in and say, you poor thing. God, God bless you a little heart. Can, can I bring you some hot soup? <laughs> See, that's what pastors do. If you if if you married and you got a wife like that, let, release her, let her go. I tried for years to get my wife to preach. You got to be a preacher. I'm a preacher. You got to be a preacher. She looked at me and said, "You tell me that one more time, I'm gonna slap you." <laughs> I'm not a preacher. I'm a Martha. You let me do the work. I'll make sure it gets done if you just leave me alone and let me do it. Come on, guys. I hope you're getting something out of this right now. But see, that's when you learn how to pray and see God. And then you release the Marthas and the Marys of your house. And that's another sermon I can't get into. But see, you've got to learn how to pray. If I can impart one thing in the closing session, I would never be judgmental of anybody's lifestyle of prayer. But I don't care who you are. Listen to me. I don't care what office gift you have. Jesus had all five of these office gifts that we've been talking about all week. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, right? 
what we were talking about this last night. All five of those gifts was his. He gave. What is it that he that descended also ascended? And he gave gifts to men. Some he gave apostles. Some he gave prophets. Some he gave teachers, pastors, evangelists. He gave a piece of himself to equip the body. To equip the body. To equip the body. Now listen to me. Come on, brother. Brother Bishop, come on, because I, I won't quit if you don't come on. Listen, come on, get your mic. Come on, listen to me. You got to get this. Whatever office you feel today, wherever you think you are at, whatever you think you are operating in, you are called first and foremost to be a prayer warrior and intercessor. You are called second to be a soul winner. Because the Bible says, and Jamie talked about it the other day, the first commandment is what? Help me. Say it out loud. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, and thy strength, or soul. That's your intellect, your will, and emotion. <laughs> oh. And the second, so you got that down, that's why you pray. And the second is likened to the first. Which is what? Love your neighbor. Just like you do yourself. Love you, Brother Ben. Give the, give, give a, give the bishop a big hand. Amen. 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 Amen.